0: Thank you for downloading this episode of Pardase from Jerusalem featuring Rabbi Michael Hatton. This week is Parshat Bamidbar. This podcast is sponsored by Robin and Leonard Gurin and Alana and Mark Meskin in honor and celebration of their daughter's ordination. Mazaltov to Rabbi Myra Meskin Gurin. If you're interested in downloading more digital content, please visit elmod.pardes.org. Parshat B'Midbar, the theme of passage. Parshat B'Midbar introduces the fourth of the five books of the Torah, Sefer B'Midbar. This book, as well as this Parsha, are so called because of one of the first words in the section God spoke to Moshe in the Midbar of Sinai at the Tent of Meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year of the Exodus, Bimidbar chapter 1, verse 1. The opening events of the book find the people of Israel still encamped in the environs of Mount Sinai, where they have been stationed for almost a year During the time that has passed since they left the land of Egypt, the people have achieved a number of impressive accomplishments, but not without many setbacks, great and small. They crossed the Sea of Reeds, but on its shores they fell prey to fear, discontent, and the desire to return to Egypt. They stood at the foot of the mountain to receive God's Torah, but soon thereafter they succumbed to the spell of the golden calf. They built the tent of meeting to house the tablets and to serve as a locus for God's presence, but its dedication was marred by the untimely death of Aharon's overzealous sons. Sustained by manna from the sky and by water brought forth from impervious rock, the people have yet to master the precious life skills of confidence, reliance, and an abiding trust. God proclaimed his guiding laws, but the people continue to struggle with the consequences of their brash declarations of endorsement. As Sefer Bar unfolds, we shall see how the many threads of its narratives are skillfully woven together to frame an eternal message. Sincere realization of the Torah's mitzvot is not the result of mechanistic performance, but rather of profound internalization. God spoke to Moshe in the Midbar of Sinai at the Tent of Meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year of the Exodus and said, Count the entire congregation of Israel according to their families and their clans, each male according to name. You and Aharon shall count them from the age of 20 and above. All those who go out to war in Israel. Rashi considers this opening census in the context of the other times that the people have been counted since the Exodus, and he comments Because of God's love for the Jewish people, he counts them constantly. At the time of the Exodus, he counted them. After the incident of the golden calf, he counted them to ascertain how many remained. When the time came to show his presence among them, he counted them again. For the Mishkan was set up on the first of Nisan, and on the first of Iyar, he counted them. For Rashi counting is an expression of concern and care for the things being counted. In other places, the Tanakh employs the parable of the shepherd and the sheep to highlight the special relationship between God and his people. For instance, in Tehillim, Psalms, chapter 23, God is my shepherd and I shall not want. No doubt for Rashi, the theme of lovingly counting Israel is related to this powerful image. This theme actually colors the entire book. In the early rabbinic sources, sefer bimedbar is often referred to as Chumash HaPikudim, popularly adapted as the Book of Numbers. Tellingly, the book begins and ends with a census of the people. The one taken on the eve of the journey from Sinai and the other almost 40 years later at the plains of Jericho as the people prepare to enter the land. Ramban, Nachmanides, in contrast to Rashi, adopts a more rational approach to the matter of the census, one that is grounded in the immediate context. He explains, The reason for ascertaining their number is like a ruling power, that is about to embark on a war. For the people are now poised to enter the land and to fight the Amorite kings who guard its entrance from the east, as well as all of the other kings on the other side of the Jordan. Moshe and the tribal princes had to know the number of fighting men. For the Torah does not rely on the miracle of one chasing a thousand. Thus, the text states, all those who go out to war in Israel, because the count is for the sake of preparing the nation for battle. They must know the number of people so that they can distribute the land that they conquer. Were it not for the incident of the spies, they would have entered the land immediately. Commentary to Bimidbar chapter 1, verse 45. Ramban highlights what he takes to be the book's dominant theme. In contrast to Sefer Shmot, that describes the events surrounding the Exodus, in contrast to Sefer Vayikra, that is concerned with the tabernacle and the laws relating to its ongoing operation, Sefer Bimidbar speaks of the preparations undertaken by the people of Israel For entering the land of Kna'an, the census with which the book begins is the very first step in preparing the people for conquering the land. Preparations, of course, implies activities that are provisional, undertaken for the sake of a particular objective. Preparations are generally not ends unto themselves but only means to an end. They are therefore temporary rather than permanent measures. In his introduction to Sefer Bimidbar, the Ramban first emphasizes the transitory aspect of the stories in the book. As he explains, since the account is primarily concerned with the journey from Sinai to the land of Israel, the mitzvot that occur in its passages unevenly tend to be momentary and of immediate relevance rather than eternally binding commands. He explains, This entire book speaks only of those commandments that were meant for a particular time, namely during the period of the people's wanderings in the Midbar. Also, it recounts the great miracles that were wrought on their behalf during their journey in order to recall God's wondrous acts. The book later describes how God began the process of destroying their enemies before them and also commands how the land is to be divided up among them. There are no commandments in this book that are binding for all times, except for some sacrificial laws which were first spelled out in the book of Leviticus, but remained incomplete until concluded here. A broad outline of Sefer bimidbar thus begins to emerge. In the main, it is focused upon the journey towards the land. As such, it essentially describes a temporary condition. The path stretching from Sinai to Israel, from the giving of the Torah to the possibility of its comprehensive fulfillment, is the subject of its narratives. The fundamental character of most of its mitzvot is therefore different than elsewhere in the Torah. It is less concerned with the eternal acts to be practiced upon reaching the destination and more concerned with the lessons to be internalized during the critical course of the journey. Looming large on the horizon, effectively filling the void between the point of departure and the destination, is the Midbar. This geographical zone, often translated as desert, conjures up images of images of sun-baked sand dunes stretching to eternity, and laden camels languidly swaying across an endless expanse. As we shall see, however, this conception of the Midbar is both imprecise as well as misleading. The significance of the Midbar experience may be measured by the fact That some forty years after the opening events of the book, the Torah returns to make a number of pointed references to it. These in the these occur in the form of recollections, addressed by Moshe to the new generation that finally stands on the banks of the Jordan about four decades after the disastrous episode of the spies. After briefly recalling the sojourn at Sinai, Moshe tersely describes the journey away from the mountain, for which the preliminary preparations take place in our parsha. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 19 explains, We traveled from Chorev, and we traversed the great and awesome Midbar that you saw by way of the ridge of the Amorites as God commanded us, and we arrived at Kadesh Barnea. Here, the Midbar is recalled as great and awesome, implying an impressive but fearful territory. In a lengthier passage, forming part of his exhortation to the people to not grow complacent in their new land, Moshe again remembers the Midbar as a place of sinister dangers, as well as of divine concern. Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 18, recall. Be careful lest you forget God your Lord not to observe his commandments, laws, and decrees that I command you this day, lest you eat and be satisfied and build fine houses in which to dwell lest your cattle and your sheep increase and you amass silver and gold and all that you possess increases, lest your heart becomes arrogant and you forget God your Lord, who took you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He led you through the great and awesome Midbar, the dwelling place of the snake, the fiery serpent, and the scorpion, a place of great thirst for lack of water. He extracted for you water from the impenetrable rock. He fed you manna in the midbar, a form of sustenance that your ancestors did not know in order to afflict you and to test you so that it would be good for you at the end. Say not in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand have wrought for me this wealth. Rather, remember God your Lord, for he gives you the strength to gather wealth in order to fulfill his covenant that he swore to your ancestors this very day. In his farewell song, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moshe returns one last time to the memory of the Midbar, again describing it as a place of foreboding desolation, as well as of providential care. God found them in the land of the Midbar in a barren and howling wasteland. He enveloped Israel and protected them, keeping them safe as the pupil of his eye. Chapter 32 of Deuteronomy, verse 10. In all of these references, the Midbar is not only a fleeting memory of a featureless topographical location, of a stretch of land uneventfully traversed and promptly forgotten, but rather as some sort of a formative experience that left its profound mark on the national psyche. What might be the thrust? of the Midbar's message. The Hebrew language, like other Semitic languages, recognizes families of words that are grouped not according to meaning, but rather according to grammatical form. Midbar is based upon the three-letter consonantal root, Dalad bet, resh. This root is introduced by a mem prefix marked with a long vowel called chirik, a long e sound. It has a penultimate consonant containing a dagish and marked by the vowel called kamatz. Other familiar words that fit this same pattern include the following mishpat or court, mikdash or temple, miklat or refuge, miskav, or fortress, mitzpeh, or lookout, mizrach, or east, mizbeach, or altar. In all of the above cases, the forms of the words are almost identical, although the meanings are, of course, completely different. The general grammatical form means the place of XYZ, where X, Y, Z is the three-letter consonantal root. If we were to translate the above terms more accurately and less idiomatically, we would say Mishpat means literally the place of judgment, hence a court. Mikdash is the place of holiness, hence a temple. Miklat is a place of being let in, hence a refuge. a place of strength, that is a fortress. Mitzpah, the place of seeing out into the distance, hence a lookout. Mizrach as the place of the rising, hence the east, where the sun rises. Mizbeach, the place of slaughter, that is to say an altar. The term Midbar would therefore mean literally the place of Dalet, bit Rish, But what is the meaning of dabar? How does it relate to our investigation of midbar? Here, Rabbi David Kimchi offers us assistance with his grammatical work entitled Sefer Hashorashim, or the Book of Grammatical Roots. Commenting on the midbar of Sinai mentioned in Exodus 19, verse 1, and the great midbar, mentioned in Deuteronomy one nineteen, the Radak explains, This term midbar refers to a desolate place, uncultivated and unsettled. Grazing land is called midbar whether it be far or close to the city. Another meaning of the root is manor or way as in the sheep shall graze after their manner, rum, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 17. The usage is similar to the Aramaic translation of the verse, that he led his flocks, Reishit 31, 18, which is Udavar. It is correct to conclude that Midbar therefore refers to a place of grazing, because there the shepherd must lead the flocks to pasture. Similarly, we find, I shall place them as dovrot on the sea, Kings 1, chapter 5, verse 23, which refers to large timbers tied together and directed down the coast, namely rafts. Bradak explains that the fundamental meaning of dalad bet resh is to guide or to lead. The Midbar is frequently associated with grazing land because to there the sheep are led to pasture. The shepherd and his flock are enemies of the farmer who industriously cultivates his plot of land. Where agriculture thrives, the sheep and goats are not welcome. Therefore, they must be grazed in unsettled areas far from human habitation. Rather than signifying the sterile and stifling environment of the desert, the Bidbar is any place that is desolate, uncultivated, and vacant. It may even be temperate and fertile. Its defining characteristic is not its climate or its annual precipitation, but rather its population density. That is to say, that the Midbar is an area that is bereft of human habitation. Although the Radak fails to explicitly make the connection, for he confines his discussion to flocks of sheep, it is clear that the term Midbar impacts on human beings as well. Any large tract of land that is completely desolate and uninhabited can be traversed safely only by one who is intimately familiar with the terrain. The novice who enters the expanse of the wilderness without proper guidance, though he may have plenty of provisions, puts his life in danger, for he may easily become lost and disoriented and may never emerge. The term Midbar is therefore most accurately translated as the place of being led. The profound meaning of this book's title is therefore a penetrating comment on its entire contents. At Sinai, God proclaimed his Torah and the people listened. Receiving a new set of norms and rituals, they offered formal acceptance. They pledged their performance, but they remained far from the ideal of being spiritually transformed. Encamped at the feet of the mountain for close to a year, they solidified their commitment. They slowly adapted to a new way of life preparing to break up camp to commence their journey to the promised land, they were still bereft of the precious possession of complete trust in God, the recognition of utter dependence on his providence. The acquisition of these critical faith values would be essential to inoculate them against developing a conceited belief in their own abilities and an arrogant worship of their own accomplishments, flaws that would spell their doom in the new land. But the journey from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea and on to the plains of Jericho could have taken many routes. We traveled from Chorev and journeyed across the great and awesome midbar that you saw by way of the ridge of the Amorites as God commanded us. Moshe reminded the people, explaining that there was divine intent in directing Israel to enter the wilderness and to travel across its desolate expanse. The Midbar, the place of being led, represented not only a geographic zone, but a spiritual challenge as well. To enter the Midbar meant to submit to the realization that without God's ever-present and loving guidance, survival was impossible. The passage across its stark and lonely landscape drove home the essential lessons that were so necessary for the people to internalize. Not only that they might endure the immediate trials, but also that they might overcome the more formidable spiritual perils that awaited them on the other side of the Jordan, at first forced to submit to God's guidance, who led them unwillingly into the Midbar's howling grasp, they would, by the end of the journey, longingly recall the overt expressions of his continuous sustaining intervention to develop steadfast trust in God's guidance. An unshakable recognition of his role in securing our survival is to realize a spiritual achievement of the highest order. The experience of the Midbar was divinely orchestrated in order to provide the people with the optimal conditions for them to succeed. They were to remember it always so that they might carry their newfound trust with them even after they had left its desolation and embarked upon a new land and embarked upon a new life in the new land, a life in which God's involvement may have been just as real but was not nearly as manifest. Moshe's directive to the people to never forget the journey suddenly takes on additional meaning Devarim 8, verse 2, remember the whole journey on which God led you for 40 years in the wilderness in order to afflict you and to test you, to ascertain what was in your heart, to see if you would keep his commandments or not. Nachmanides insightfully explains on that passage the people did not know what counsel to adopt for themselves when they entered the great wilderness, a place of no food and they had no reserves of manna. For each day the manna came down from the heavens anew. As the sun became hot, it melted, though the people hungered for it. All this they did to keep God's commands and to journey according to his guidance. God could have led them by way of the populated cities that were around them, but instead he brought them into the trial of the wilderness, for he knew that as a result of this experience, they would keep His commandments forever. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, Pardes from Jerusalem, a production of the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast today. You can also subscribe to any of our other podcast channels by visiting us online at elmod.pardes.org.